Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a real side of wrestling. I'm your host, the main event referee, John Gray. Uh, real quickly, want to give a shout out to the world on GCW Part Two happening in Indianapolis, Indiana. Go to Game Bling on uh, Facebook to get all the details for that. And give a couple of shout outs to some podcasts. Of course, you can check out Conrad Thompson over at ad3shows.com. Uh, get all five of his. Uh, of this podcast, actually, and early, uh, each and every week on the online listing, uh, something to wrestle with three footies. Uh, every two weeks for Eric Fischoff, what happened then with Tony Stavani and uh, Jim Ross, uh, Jim and JR. So, yeah, there, there's all those. Uh, so, make sure to check them out, and um, yeah, good times. A uh, couple more um, plugs I've got to do real quick. Um, was up at the um, the undisclosed location for Horror Slam last weekend. Had a great time with Briar Wellington and Rachel Green and all those guys up there for Horror Slam. Uh, thank you again for having me. Um, got hooked up with the Reddit R Wrestling Podcast. Um, you can find them right here on Boss R Radio under Reddit R Wrestling Podcast. So go check them out. Uh, as well as... Um, the Pro Wrestling Edge, you can find them. Just uh, put in your little Google machine there, Pro Wrestling Edge, and uh, give my friend Dan a listen. Uh, they've got a great little show over there, and I'll be uh, featured on both of those shows uh, in the coming weeks. I'll be on, uh, uh, I'll be on. well, as I'm looking at my calendar, I'll be on uh, Pro Wrestling Edge on the 16th, and I will be doing the Ready All Wrestling Podcast next Wednesday. Um Bear in mind, we will be going to Metal Death Kill Club and hosting the Death Hour very, very soon. Uh, unfortunately, due to the untimely passing of a very good friend of mine, who I'll get into in just a second, um, we had to postpone this week's show with Connor Claxton. That's going to be rescheduled very, very soon. Uh, but until then, we, uh, uh, we haven't started there yet. So for those of you listening thought you missed it, you have not missed it. We have not ran it. Um, so be looking forward to that. Uh, I'll also be on the uh, MDKC uh, Danny uh, Havoc tribute uh, this evening. I believe it starts uh, in a half hour, so those of you listening live. Um, but I will not be on until after the 10 o'clock hour, uh, like closer to 11. So um, all that being said, let's get right into uh, my guest this week. We're going to talk all about some Nashville wrestling with uh, my good friend, referee Jesse Fields. Jesse, how you doing, man? Hey, John. Uh, doing doing pretty good. Uh, not not the best of days that I've had today, but uh, it, it's going. Well, you know, jobs can be refound, and, um, you know, even in a recession, um, a person with your, um, with your skill set, I'm sure, will have no problem. Uh, find a work out there. So I don't like get you down too much. Yeah. First time I've been uh, been laid off, but it's it just it doesn't get any easier the second time around. So no, I, but I completely that's understand not, that. That's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> well, you know NASA's hiring, or I heard. Yeah. Wish I was smart enough for that. Uh, <laughs> It was smartest ice geek I know. I mean, um, <laughs> I joke, I joke, I joke. 
All right. Uh, let's get right into it, man. Uh, you grew up in Nashville. You're a few years younger than me. How long have you been in the business? Uh, see, I turned 31 uh, in in a couple months, and I broke into the business when I was 15. That's when I started training. So I would say around about 15 years. Um, I've been a referee since uh, late 06, early 07. So I've been a referee for 13 years now. So uh, I've logged some miles. It's kind of, it's interesting to kind of look back. It's like, oh man, that, that was really, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007. That's a, that's, that's a lot of time in the window or uh, in the mirror now. So now that that's around the same time that you and I originally met when um, me and a, a, a friend of mine came to Nashville for um, Mike Porter and yeah Mike Porter and uh, was it two thousand nine? Okay, I think it was two thousand nine because Porter Porter was running NWA out of Veritas. and that's when yeah it was like some um, some community center or something. Yeah, and I, I think that might have been the time that Bill Barons was the one that was booking the show, and we were doing TV. And uh, God, that's when we were doing wasn't, a lot of crazy. Wasn't Bert we running the same building because he lived next door? Yeah, Bert would run. Okay, so if I if I remember correctly, we would do NWA on Thursday, and then it was either Friday or Saturday. Bert would do his show in the same building. So, gotcha. you know, it, it was a good setup. It just, there was no AC back there, and we were all dying. God, it was so hot. Well, I, was, I guess I came at the right time, because we came, uh, I believe it was right in the middle of fall. Of, yeah, of you came, I think you came, you came when it was like, there was a, but we were doing TV in the summer. I mean, even, even if you're doing TV at like 6, 7 o'clock at night, it was still hot. And yeah. The upstairs where we were getting dressed, there, like I said, there was no AC, so we just had a bunch of box fans trying to circulate the air, and it was just it was just miserable. And then you go out there and you work in front, of, and they had these big lights over the ring, and it just made it just made the building so hot. And uh, yeah, well, I do remember the big lights. Yeah, man, I, I don't, I do not miss that building. <laughs> So, so Burt Prince would run on Fridays. He would run against Tony Falk. I'm trying to remember if Burt would run Friday or if he ran Fridays or if he ran Saturdays because it was in that time frame that I think Tony was still running Fridays. Millersville mm-hmm. with Showtime All Star Wrestling was doing Fridays because, mm-hmm. like, this is like the '08-'09 time frame, and I was at Saul. And I was doing Saw's TV for a while, and then I went to NWA. And it's like, I got to remember which was which. Because I remember being at USWO in 07 and then going to Saw in 07 and 08. And I think it was like 09 or 2010, that's when I did the NWA stuff for a while. And then I went back Mm -hmm. to Saw. Because like – when NWA lost the building at Veritas and they moved over to Trinity Lane, uh, they still did the Thursday shows, but then it was kind of like, if you're working for this show, 
you can't work for this show. And no, there no. was a lot of un, it's, it's that unnecessary. There was unnecessary drama in that mm-hmm. situation. And it, if the shows were running on top of each other, it, you know, I could see that. But one show was running Thursday. The next show was running Friday and the other show was running Saturday, all three different nights. And there was a bunch of us that, that worked all three of those shows. We just did, it was the Nashville loop essentially. And uh, now, now did all three shows essentially draw a different style of crowd or were you competing for the same people's money? I mean, I, I realize that Nashville is a huge city, but essentially, you know, you, you're still talking about a lot of oversaturation of professional wrestling in a small percentage. And, and that's true. And I, from what I recall, I remember seeing, you know, maybe the, maybe 10 people that would be at all three of the shows, but the Trinity Lane shows would draw majority of the people that were in that area. The Friday shows would have the stadium. It was the stadium in crowd or, or if you were in Millersville and then either or it's, um, and then Millersville drew its own specific crowd. So it was kind of, it was kind of different. And then the same thing with like Millersville with the saw TV tapings and it was the saw guys. And that was T.J. Weatherby and Kroll and, and all those guys up there. And mm-hmm. Tony, booking the stadium in, had a completely different, you know, booking style. And then you had Porter at NWA who had his booking style. So it was, it was three different kinds of booking styles, I guess. But, you know, it was all wrestling. It was just southern wrestling. All right. Right. Well, I just I remember Tony Falk was running the stadium in on Fridays, and and I only remember that because we did, you know, like I said, when we came down, we did um, we did Porter's on Thursday, and then um, Tony Fox on Friday, and then we went to um, I don't remember where we went for Top Rope, but uh, Mike Searcy. That was in Lebanon. Um, Lebanon. There you go. Yeah. And, yep. So the infamous stadium in has been completely gutted. I I don't know if they're redoing anything or if they're going to be demoing the entire building. But the last time I drove by it, you could just, you could see the bare concrete floors all through the building. And I was like, well, you know, you almost had to have a hazmat suit to go in that fucking place. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it's one of those things like, and, and, any you can ask any pro wrestler that spent any time working shows at Stadium Inn, it was yeah. like the weirdest experience you could ever have because it's this mm-hmm. dilapidated motel, motel, but in the the quote banquet hall is a professional wrestling ring, and I think on a good night if we if we did the chairs right, you could get. What was it? Maybe a hundred, hundred and ten, hundred and ten people. But it was. We had some of the coolest wrestlers come through there. We had some of the most fun matches I ever got to be a part of, especially just when I was breaking in and, and getting mm-hmm. to learn. And for a while, I mean, we had probably one of the hottest crowds, like. The the Nashville scene did an article on LT and Tony Falk, and 
after that, there was like this big, uh, I guess the college kids scene, the, the hipster kids, they were showing up on the Friday shows and just in droves and they were there to watch wrestling. And I remember several times being an only referee going out there and just all seven matches, the, that crowd was just hot. They were having fun. They were cheering. Um, I think that was when Nick Iggy was really getting started. He, he would come out uh, with his big sign that said Iggy, and that place would just – they'd go bananas for him. And it was mm-hmm. – and they would keep that energy the whole night, man. It was, it was a, you know, we talk, a lot of us would talk bad about Stadium Inn as a building because it was a terrible building. But we all have fond <laughs> memories of Stadium Inn because some mm-hmm. of the coolest things we ever did were in that building. And, yeah, you know, you can't talk Nashville wrestling without bringing up Stadium Inn. <laughs> uh, it's, well, that's you know, it, true. It's, it's weird, like, fond memories of like because there were there were two different locker rooms that we had at one point we did dress downstairs in the uh laundry room which was abysmal because it was like you go you you finish your match and you go downstairs and it's like 95 degrees in this dressing room and we're all soaked and we're dying and it's miserable and then eventually the bar that was upstairs got closed and so we started dressing uh, in the the sectioned off part of the bar, which was a lot better. It was a lot cooler up there, and we had a, a yeah. quicker way to get to the ring. But man, I think that was where we were dressing when I was there in '09. Yeah, I think they stopped dressing downstairs somewhere in like '08. Yeah. I think the bar closed, and Tony moved the locker room upstairs, <laughs> and they changed it from where the same door that you would walk in to go sit was also the entrance way, right? Right by the little desk where Tony would sit. And because they closed the bar, they just made the doorway going to the bar. That was the entrance way. And it worked out a lot better that way. And right. I just, I just, I'm thinking, man, we had a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's weird. It, it's weird. It's like it, this non- wrestling venue was the coolest wrestling venue and i, I yeah uh, i remember doing the, the nwa cyber slam tapings there um i did a couple of like the pgwa like there was a an all women's show that was there we did mm-hmm. saw tv tapings there um it was Man, there was so a Tony, lot of... Tony didn't have like a lock on that building. It wasn't like Tony's building, like or or no. did Tony have a lock on it and he just kind of leased it out to these other companies? What was the dynamic there? I it, I think it was it was that um, because it was it was a stationary it was a lock I wouldn't say a locked in building because Tony mm-hmm. had an agreement with the person who was the manager. And the person who was the manager wanted to have pro wrestling there. And I think gotcha. he just, he didn't care. He just wanted pro wrestling. And it, mm-hmm. that worked out because the person who had stadium in before Tony was Burt Prentice. Had his ring in there and he would also run the fairgrounds. And that was the time that mm-hmm. I started training. Burt was still running at stadium. He had okay. a, uh, Burt had the, the wooden ring 
the low, low, low wood ring, and he had mm-hmm. the red, white, and blue vinyl canvas, and that's the oh ring that gosh. I trained in, dude. I, the double ring that I learned, the ring I learned to bump in was as hard as a deck. So, oh, it couldn't have been any harder than Joe Bailey's BBW ring, dude. That was an all wooden. It, it, it was not a low boy, thank God, because that would have just made it worse. But it was all wooden. The only thing metal on this fucking thing was the uh, the side the rails posts. and the and the and the posts. That was oh, it. No. Everything no, no. else was solid wood. And no, no. Now that I think about it, now that I think about it, no, I'm wrong. He didn't upgrade to the to the metal side rails. Uh, much much later. So in in ninety eight ninety nine when when I was breaking in, the the BBW ring was all wood, the side rails yeah. included. The only thing yeah. metal was was the post. Burt's um, Burt's Burt's was the side rails were wood. The the cross beams were wood, and all of the the uh, plywood that was the floor was drilled mm-hmm. into the wood. Yep. Yep, Joe Joe did his the same exact way. And there was like um, I'll, maybe, I'll never forget it. Maybe a little bit of padding and then it was like I said the can- the vinyl canvas and then god those ropes were abysmal too. I am thinking back like oh my god, like I somebody had posted hose. a video. Somebody had posted a video uh and it had clips from USWO in in the 2006 uh, 2007 yeah. era and it was the same ring and I'm looking at it like I don't know how any of us didn't really get hurt in that ring. Um, yeah. I'm sure other guys had better yeah. experiences in that ring, but I just I remember it being horrible. And then, Dude, uh, yeah. And yeah. then at some point, Miller's up in Millersville saw got a brand new high spots ring with new padding, and oh my god, I thought that was like heaven on earth getting to referee in a ring where it didn't hurt my hand. Uh. You know, now now we're we're kind of transitioning here, and, and we'll come back to Nashville wrestling, but I definitely want to talk about the fairgrounds. But, but speaking uh-huh. of rings, you know, let, 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 let's talk rings because, you know, I've been in some high-spot rings, and, and I'm not knocking their products. I like high spots as a, as a company, uh, but their rings are just too fucking springy. Like, <laughs> it's almost so, like being in a goddamn trampoline, you know. I a, feel like the name High Spots is very indicative <laughs> to what they want in those type of rings. I feel like those rings were designed for the flippy boys and the guys that do yeah. all the cool the cool stuff. I, I That's what I think those rings are designed for, whereas right. if you were to get, like, a Mike Samples or... Right, I was just some, thinking that, yeah. Yeah, like a Mike Samples ring is more of a, like... You know, I think he, he does like 16 and 18, and uh-huh. they're more for, I guess, bumping, but not really for flip spots and bump spots. Right. I, I feel like right. the way he's he designs his, you can't really bump on the apron as much, whereas with, and, with high spots, you can. Um, am I mistaken that, that he has a, he has the, the UFC contract, that, that he makes all the UFC uh, canvases and shit? Am I mistaken? I, I, that's... That's above my pay grade. I have no idea. <laughs> it seems like I heard that at one one point in time. It, the Mike Samples runs Monster, right? Monster Rings. Yes. Okay. So if it, it so seems I like at one point in time rings, I heard that. Yeah. The now the 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 thing with some of the stuff that Mike Samples does, um, when we were doing 
TV, Burt Prentice's TV, uh, it was about a year ago, two years ago, somewhere. Matt Riviera was having a lot to do with, with our product, and he wanted to do a Thunderdome, which was basically the Hell in a Cell cage minus the top. And I, the the I, old WCW? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I was say, the old yeah, WCW well, Thunderdome? Yep, it's the cage that's on the floor, surrounds the ring, just like a hell in a cell, same height, but it doesn't have a roof. And I remember him saying that he that, that it was a Mike Sample No, no, thing. no, I thought the Thunderdome was like the triple cage deal. Oh, no, God. Uh, I think it was just, that was just called triple cage. Somebody, may be, somebody may be able to correct me on that, because... Unfortunately, my memory is not the greatest, but of, uh, of course, you know the 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 one the one week I, I could desperately use my producer, he's not here. No, I'm joking, Jesse. When you hear this, I'm just joking, buddy. You you go <laughs> do your thing, but so <laughs> I love you. You, tra- you uh, traded one Jesse for another one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um no, I I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just remember when they were talking about it. And they they kept calling it Thunderdome, 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 and I, I feel right, like it was right. a, it was a Memphis thing because Lawler was really big on it too. Because the match the match that happened in it was Jerry Lawler versus Matt Riviera, and gotcha. I rem- I just remember us setting that thing up like they went ahead and put the door and the lock on, you know, for the uh, the side that had the door. So we're setting mm-hmm. the page up and bop 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 bop, and we put the final piece in and there's about five or six of us that are on the inside of the cage when somebody goes hey the door's locked and i'm like who has <laughs> and i go and i go well, who has the key and they're like oh no we don't oh, know no. we don't know who has the key <laughs> so this was before i had brought my radios and earpieces with with me to the show because i carry my own radio set and I'm thinking, like, oh, no, this is the time that we could, like, hey, who has the key? Who, who can come unlock the cage? Well, for about, I think it was about 10 minutes, it was, it was myself, Jacob Escobar, Scott Stevens were, were the other referees, and a couple of the ring crew. And we're all stuck in this cage, and we're waiting for Johnny Morton, who has the key. And we're, the crowd is like, what's going on? Like, I, I, I keep hearing, like, referee fight, referee fight. Um, and me being just my sarcastic self, I just start screaming, this is inhumane. We're free-roaming zebras. Free the zebras. <laughs> just trying to, you know, make light of the situation. And, and next thing we see Johnny come running up with the key, and we're just laughing because we're like, oh, my God, I'm glad this wasn't live or something because – Ten minutes of us being trapped, and, and of course, yeah. here's, here's here's the hindsight. Like, could we have possibly taken part of the cage apart and gotten out? Maybe. I didn't think of it. <laughs> didn't think of it until like afterwards. Like, oh, maybe we could have got out. But could um, you have maybe put the cage together from the outside? No, the way that it had to go, it was a, the construction of the thing. There had to be somebody inside and outside because the way the panels fit together was like really awkward. So I think we had to have a ladder inside and outside to position the cage. Like we did a, we did a test run the night before and we got it up like no problem. 
And then the day that we did it, we got it put together with no problem except for the door. That uh, was the only kicker. Like, I think it took us 20 minutes, 20, 20, 25 minutes total to put this thing together with like 10 people. So, but it, it was, it was really impressive, but sorry to go on the tangent. I believe that really cool cage is a Mike samples thing. I believe they said that was a Mike samples thing. Cause I was like, man, this thing's really, really cool. Like I I've been in cages before, but I'd never been in one like that. And it was, it was yeah. pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, that, that's, um, but the one we're talking about the high spots versus, you know, the, uh, the monster rings. I, <laughs> I, like I said, I feel like the high spot rings are designed for exactly that. Double springboard squeeze your nuts and grab your legs and tuck your head, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the stuff that like I love watching it and I Yeah, used to but love I can't ref- pronounce any of it. Yeah, I lo- I used to love refing it, but then I realized like, man, that's a lot of work for me. No, you know, I I absolutely love it. I love a fast paced style match and you know, well, I was thinking you- tonight. It oh, makes you yeah, like once they get going and they start really mm-hmm. telling the story, you suddenly forget that you're tired and you start really amping your you you, you pace your energy mm-hmm. with the guys and then oh, yeah. 30 30 minutes have gone by and you're you're going to the finish and you're like, "Wow, that was incredible. I don't remember any of it." And yeah. those are those are amazing matches. I've been a part of plenty of those. And I, I you know, I, I'm starting. I'm starting to like. The, the older I'm getting, the more I'm starting to appreciate those. But on the same token, there's times I'm kind of like, oh, I don't want to ref that one. I want to watch that one and actually right. watch it and take. Because when you're when you're refing a match, like yes, you have the front row seat, you get to see it, but you don't get to see mm-hmm. it. You're not seeing it how the fans are seeing it, and you. I think yeah. you. Yeah, you, you don't I, get to really I hear what take you're saying. I hear what you're, well, let me ask you something, referee to referee. When 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 you're in the back, and, and listen, the name of the show is a real side of wrestling. We're going to peel the curtain back a little bit here, okay? Yeah. When, when you're in the back and 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 you're 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 getting ready for for your match, you know what what is your ritual? And let me give you an example of mine. I do not go up to the matches that I am going to be a part of unless I'm needed. I go up to whoever the vet is of the match, and I ask them what's the finish, because that's all I want to know. I don't because here here's the reality: if if I don't know what's going to happen, then my reaction it's in the ring is 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 a natural reaction, yeah. and 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 I think the fans especially can can recognize that. Uh, so, so you know, do you do you you know get involved and and want to know each step, or, or are you a more of a just give me the finish and let me do what I got to do? In the, in that instance, like I fully believe that referees need to be their emotions and reactions definitely need to be more involved. If the fans see the referee is standing in the corner and he looks bored, 
while something really cool is going on, I, the crowd just doesn't it, it doesn't seem like the crowd's going to bite into it. Whereas if you're like, oh, okay, the referee's getting with the pace, crowd seems to get with it more. Um, right. Right. There are instances. Um, it depends who I'm working with. Um, if it's if it's talent that I know do a lot of particular things, I'll usually go to them like, hey is there any key things that I need to know about? Like, are you going to do something and I need to be aware of it? So I'm not in the mm-hmm. way. Like, you know, we're, you know, right. you and I are trained. We, we know how to work TV. We know how to avoid cameras, uh, you know, work the hard cam and all that fun stuff. But sometimes like in, in a, in a high paced tag match, you're like, you're trying to keep control, but then like, Hey, we're going to do this thing. Do not, get it like don't be in the middle of the ring give us plenty of room to do this and that's usually and and and, you know a lot of times if i'm an only referee on a show i just get what i need and then i go on because i've got other things to do but if in the case when we worked gcw when I, i did the gcw show i only had two matches so one of them i had a lot of involvement in so of course i needed to go over stuff with them the other one was just, I'm going to let them be, be the hell out of each other. Um, right. But, my yeah, my routine, um, I try to get dressed early uh, just because I, I want to get to the locker room early, get a, a comfortable place to sit, and go ahead and change into my gear and then put my gear bag way out of the way so that way when the veterans and the stars and anybody else comes in there, I'm not in their way. I'm not holding right. them up and stuff. So I want to get dressed uh, as early as I can. Uh, that gives me gives my feet will get settled into my shoes. My knee pads feel comfortable and all that happy go lucky stuff. And uh, knee pads. Damn. Well, maybe that's, you know, why, maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. I I was telling my wife today, man. My my knees are just aching, aching, aching. Um, the first couple of years that I was a referee, I didn't wear knee pads, and yeah. I used to I used to land on my knees a lot, and it would cause like little cysts to form. And eventually, on my right knee, I had a cyst rupture, and then I tore my meniscus, and I had to have surgery to repair all that. And they were like, "Yeah, you know, you bust those cysts, you've got to have them cleaned out," and um, of course, this was you know a couple of years ago, but I learned the value of knee pads when I went to work for a show called FTW in uh, Sparta, Tennessee. And the ah. ring was a deck. There's no padding. I mean, it hurt. And it, it, they did the strong style stuff. And of course, you know, I was a very active referee, so I like to jump and land on my knees. After doing a couple of shows, my knees were black and blue. And I was like, I got to get knee pads. And so I've always had knee pads. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, you and I kind of have the same ritual where it's like, hey, what is, is there anything complicated with the finish? Yeah. Like, nope, nope, I'm just hitting my thing. That's it. All right, cool. I'll figure it out. But then sometimes there's like, hey, we're going to do this, and it's going to lead into this, and we need you here for this, but you don't need to do that. And then, you know, you there's that whole intricacy, you know, like you want to know what's going on because you don't want to screw up, 
But on the same oh. same token, you want to have a genuine reaction. So it's like, oh, uh, what do I do? What do I do? You got to play. Um, you got to play. And, and you know, there there have been times when Nolan the finish has has gotten me in trouble. Um, you know, uh, boy, uh, yes, I have had many instances where something has happened. The finish has changed. Mm-hmm. I'm looking yep. for a particular thing, and I'm going to count, and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. And I was bad about it when I was younger, where I would go to count, mm-hmm. and I didn't, and I wasn't sure, and there was the hesitation going to the three, yeah. and I got yep. yelled at so many times. So oh, I just, man. I, I got to where it's like, the way that I count is very, very loud. So mm-hmm. the wrestlers can hear me. Yeah, and they're not going to get that. They're not going to get that. Yeah, yeah. And I've learned I'm I'm swinging for three. And if they're going to kick mm-hmm. out, you know, they're going to kick out. If they're not going to kick out, well, I'm counting three. Right. And uh, yeah, I, and I, I've I've done that count. too. Yeah, I, I've done I, that. I, I have too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I'll share a story with you, and uh, next time you see Derek Neal, you're gonna ask him about it. It was, um, oh, and I love Derek. He's a great guy. By the way, oh, the uh, man, Derek Neal, he he's one of those guys. He's so he was so underrated for so long, and the times that I've worked with him recently, I'm just like, why why didn't somebody pick you up? You were just you're still. An am- he's an amazing wrestler. He's got so much better. Genuinely nice guy, you know. Just oh, yeah. Genuinely, genuinely openly cares. I, I've seen man openly cry. So, you know, I, I hope he doesn't kill me for that. But uh, the 2020 Hoffman uh, winner uh, for, for New South Wrestling here in Alabama, uh, going to be getting a shot at the Cabana Man Dan's Big Gold real soon. Um, oh, man. So, uh, yeah, I love, yeah, some Cab- yeah, I love me some Cabana Man Dan. Yeah, well, the two are going to hook it up in New South real Ooh. soon. I can't wait. It's going to be a, gonna be a fun battle between them two. Oh, God, uh, that's, that's going to be fun. But, uh, I want to watch that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun time. It'll be on IWTV at some point, I'm sure, once things yeah. get going again. So, so we're doing a cage match, and I'm trying to remember who else was in the ring with us. I, I know, I know Derek was there. Um, excuse me, and but I, I cannot remember who his opponent was. I want to say it was like no, it wasn't Jordan Cage. It was somebody else. It was like the retirement match or some shit. And uh, so I, I go down and I, you know, I shoot count to three, one. Two, three. Derek does not kick out, and he should have. I mean, it, it could very well be argued that he kicked out at the very, 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 very last second. Okay, yeah. but my hand hit three, and it was very evident that my hand hit three. So I had to, I had to go and live in front of the whole world, in front of everybody. Uh, well, in front of the whole crowd there in Evansville, the, the the guy that he was working, like, grabbed me, and he was like, and he won the match. Like, that that was what was so fucked up about it. Is he, he had actually won the match. Um, he, he had won the match, and he grabbed me by the, by the collar and was literally like, no, you've got to restart the match. We're not done. And I was like, 
see uh, that whatever it's got the match, you know, and it made me look stupid. But yeah, yeah, see, that's that's something that kind of gets me. Is like you know things happen, and the worst thing that can happen is burying the referee. And I, from my perspective and your perspective, it's the worst thing because we both have had it happen to us. God knows probably how many times. If, you know, we're in that situation and we count the three and it's, you know, we know it's not the finish, but we count and we're confident and like, all right, that's it, call for the bell. The wrestlers need to be, they're good at reacting. So it should be like, oh, yeah, I won the match. Yeah, that was awesome. The moment a wrestler's like, no, that's not right. You're letting the people in on like, you know, hey, just go with it. You can, we can retell a story, but when you make it look bad like that, and of course, I've been a part of it. I, I, I've been a part of finishes where I screwed up real bad. I'm talking monumentally bad. And then I've been a part of finishes where somebody else screwed up really bad. And I did my job, but I got mm-hmm. the heat for it. You know, it's, yep. and then of course I've, I've, I used to take it really personal and there's a lot of guys that might listen to this that have known me for as long as I've been around and knew that I would take it personal and I would get so beat up about it. And it, you know, I, I think about it now and I, you know, I've, I've, I screwed a finish up on a, a benefit show sometime last year. And it was one of those things where it's like, if I had done that 10 years ago, I'd have been beating myself up like, oh, you know, I, I screwed up real bad. I just kind of look at it like, oh, you know, that was my bad. Oh well, let's go. Let's let's do the next thing. It's it's not the end of the world. And I, I just wish more people would like. I understand it's a it, we got to protect the business, but it's not the end of the world. Like right. you know, if I screw up, you know, you know, I screw up. And God, man, I'm I'm, tr- I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, oh my God, I'm starting to relive some of the really messed up finishes that I had been a part yeah. of. That was well, my fault. And there's yeah. one, that, yeah. there's one that came to mind, and it wasn't my fault. Thank God. Uh, we were doing an NWA show at Trinity Lane, and I remember Ace Rockwell. This is like the um, like a junior heavyweight or like a mid-america heavyweight champion it was an nwa title and i remember the whole thing was like they they don't do belt changes without the the committee deciding that somebody needs to have a belt or whatnot and ace was the babyface champion and he was working drew haskins and they were three minutes into this 20 minute match and ace messes his knee up and i got a check on him i'm like well do you just want to call the match off he's like no 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 Tell tell him to work my leg. We'll we'll work around this. We'll just we'll tell the story. Because the finish is supposed to be Ace is going to hit his finisher, big baby face finish. And you know we work the match. Drew is the heel, works the leg, and there's all the sympathy. And we I think we're about nine minutes in, and Ace goes, "Dude, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I'm hurting." And I'm like, I didn't know what to do. And I go to mm-hmm. tell Drew. I told Drew. I was saying like, oh well, we we could do like a roll up or something. There, 
and and Ace gets out of there real quick. And I, I remember Drew did a spot, and he covered Ace, and I started counting. I went one, two, three. Shit! And I call for the bell, and I'm like, Ace didn't kick out. He laid there, and we mm-hmm. didn't belt change. And, you know, I committed to it, raised Drew's hand like that's what we were supposed to do. I get to the back, and I receive a verbal beating from Mike Porter and somebody else. And they tore me apart saying that I screwed the finish up. And the next thing I know, Ace and Drew come back there, and they're like, no, yes, he didn't screw that up. He committed to the pin. He counted one, two, three. He, you know, mm-hmm. Ace just said he didn't want to. He just didn't want to keep going. So that's what I, rem- you know, that was a finish that like I got blamed for and took heat for, but it wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, that kind of that kind of stuck with me. It's like, and I learned from that point on, like when there's title matches to be. So there's a thing that Nick Patrick and Earl Hebner would do. And they would count very, very close to somebody's shoulders. And they would have their non-counting hand start to float near the shoulder of the wrestler on the mat. And if it wasn't the finish, when it came close to the, the falsy, they would throw their hand under the shoulder to kick it up to make sure it looked like, you know, they were kicking out. And I started to, to learn how to do that because I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to get my ass chewed out again. Not like that. Um, so that was a little trick that I started doing. And I've done it on I, some title matches, not all of them. But I, I mostly the people that I work with are very, very conscious of my counts. And they're, I always try to count where they can make eye contact with me. That's the biggest thing mm-hmm. is like, look at me. Like, we're making eye contact. You see me, I see you, and you're kicking out. And, oh, that's a falsy. So it's like communication, but this, this was a situation where it was, I looked at him, he laid there for the three and I was like, okay, well, we're doing this. So sorry to go off on another little tangent. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Let's, uh, let, let's, let's get back to non-fail wrestling. Oh, uh, amazing so, national so, you know, wrestling scene. Well, and, 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 Maybe maybe not today so much, but but let's be honest. You know, I grew up in Louisville. The Louisville Gardens was a mecca for the USWA and the CWA. And, yep. You know, professional wrestling throughout the years, uh, and uh, Nashville Fairgrounds was yep. you know kind of kind of the same thing for you guys. You know, so share with us some of the memories of you know kind of kind of seeing some of the guys you know, come through the years through the Nashville Fairgrounds, not just the, uh, you know, the TNA weekly taping, but, you know, other shit to talk about, too. So there's an interesting thing about the fairgrounds and the wrestling that was back in the day. My dad was a police officer for the Bellmead Police Department, with you know, the division of Metro. And when Christine and Jerry Jarrett ran their shows at the fairgrounds, they would have the Metro police officers as security. And my dad would work the heel entranceway and he would, they would walk the heels to the ring and whatnot. So 
there was a time where my dad was, you know, he wasn't involved with the wrestling show. Of course, he was a police officer. And he was seeing guys like Mick Foley and Undertaker and Steve Austin all come through the Nashville fairgrounds. And then fast forward to 2010, where I did uh, a show with Saul. And that was the first time I got to referee at the Nashville fairgrounds. And mm-hmm. it was it was a really cool thing of like knowing the history of the building and then getting to participate in a show in that same building, knowing that that uh, mm-hmm. Bill Dundee and, and Jerry Lawler had matches there. Jeff Jarrett was a referee and he got beat all to hell by Bill Dundee and put through the concession stand in that building mm-hmm. right. with my with my dad following them as crowd control and and my dad had told me a story that uh, Christine told my dad, he's like, you make sure Jesse stays okay in the crowd. All right, Buzzy. And, and my dad followed uh, Dundee beating poor little referee, Jeff Jarrett's ass across the building. Uh, (laughs) So it's really cool to, that I have like a connection to the, the, the wrestling past that was there. And then I, I had been a part of a lot of the major shows that actually happened from 2010 to say 2016 uh, at the fairgrounds. And it's just, man, that, that was a cool venue. And, and anybody that ever attended a wrestling show in that building knows that it was just it was an amazing building to have a show at and for saw i remember we had a lot of comp tickets but we had like almost three thousand for one show crossfire when they ran there uh you know there was two thousand people in that building and it was just it was electric you could you could really feel the energy in that building and it was uh it sucks that that there's not going to be wrestling there anymore I mean, it's just too good of a building to to be going to waste of course i think it's i don't i don't remember if it was one of the buildings that might be saved or if they're just tearing it all down but uh that just sucks man it was a great place i i you would have you would certainly have had a blast working in that building it was just so much fun I hated setting the lines up, though. <laughs> it was always a dream of mine to work in the Louisville Gardens, but they uh, they stopped having wrestling there years before I ever broke in. So, um, but you know, it, it would have been cool to uh, you know kind of go full circle. But I do feel like I've still been able to you know kind of you know fulfill that legacy or fulfill that that dream. You know, working in the Evansville Coliseum was you know. Um, to me, it, it, it held some prestige because the same people that passed through Louisville and Nashville went through Evansville as well. And, uh, you know, the, the list of people that, that worked in that building alone is, is endless. Uh, so, you know, it's you know, kind of a constellation for us. But, um, yeah, there's nothing like, you know, getting to work in the building that, you know, you grew up watching and, and you know, kind of idolizing in, and you know, when when you hear there's no more wrestling there, like you know, I think the Sportatorium's a parking lot now, ain't it? Um, 
I haven't been to the fairgrounds since late last year. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I know when I, I did the fair show for pro wrestling entertainment and the area down by the racetrack that used to be the cut through to get to Nolansville road, they've got buildings down there now. And I think that's where ring of honor had a show. I think yeah. around that same time frame. the, the Nick Goulas building, the Nick Goulas arena was still there. And I think they were still doing stuff in it. But I think once the end of fair season was up, I think it was like November or December of last year, I think they demoed it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I haven't been there since then. So I couldn't tell you for sure. And I, it sucks because uh, I love going to the fairgrounds for the flea market. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was always one of the nicer buildings to go into because it's 95 degrees out and you go in the nice air-conditioned building for 10 minutes. Uh, so, you know, it sucks. Well, but... from, what I, from what I understand, buildings for wrestling in Nashville are becoming fewer and far between, you know, uh, especially now with the basement East gone. Uh, Man, which has, has anybody heard? Are they going to rebuild that, or is, is or are they done? So the last thing that I heard was that they were going to begin the process of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. So Good. they they were not tearing it down. Now, again, I don't know this for sure. I don't really keep up with a lot of that stuff. Uh, I feel like Bake Jesse Baker would know a lot more because he's more connected with those guys. But I feel right. like. They they were going to rebuild. Um, it's too good of a venue to lose. And I, it's you know, I I've only been able to work two wrestling shows in that building, and one of them was the GCW show. And right. I'm not going to lie; like I've done a lot of amazing things in my quote career, whatever you want to call it, and refing a GCW match at the basement East was most certainly it's, it's in my top five considering the match that I, considering the match that I was in and who was in that match, it was Mm -hmm. incredible. I loved it. And I just crowd. It was, there was something about that crowd that night. They, everything that we did. And of course you were a part of a Mm -hmm. really crazy finish with the, the Nick Gage and AJ Gray stuff. Yeah, yeah, man. man. Wow. That was a oh lot to take in. God, that whole night from the scramble match at the beginning all the way to the very end, that crowd was hooked on every single thing that went on. And it was – Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I did Chikara's King of Trios just before that, which was a big, uh, huge – you know, that Chikara was like my WWE for a long time. Trios was like my WrestleMania weekend. So to be a part of it was amazing. But I, you know, I've been kind of jaded with pro wrestling and just how things were going. And that night, it was something about that night reignited my passion for being a referee and doing what we were to do what we do because just that crowd was so appreciative of everything. There was hardcore, oh, excuse me, there was hardcore wrestling with blood and doors. 
There was comedy wrestling, which I was I was a part of with that. There was the flippy high stuff. There was an, I was on Long Live GCW. I refereed yeah. the Eric, the Eric Cannon Tony Deppin Orange Cassidy match, where mm-hmm. I got chopped really hard by Tony Deppin. Then I went to mm-hmm. chop him and Eric Cannon, and they moved, and I chopped Orange Cassidy. <laughs> and the the reaction of that crowd was justified, and it was amazing. It was yeah. so – I didn't think that – what was it, like two, 300 people? I didn't think that many people could make that much noise in a small space. Mm-hmm. Dear God. Yeah, I still I can still hear that reaction, and I still get goosebumps because I'm like, I'm a, fan, a huge fan of Orange Cassidy, so I was very mm-hmm. blessed to get to work that match, and to just that reaction, man, I I love that. That was so cool. Uh, I want what more. A, of I that. mean, what a rough want... crew we had. Me, you, and Doug Markham, and I, was Sean O'Brien there? Yeah, Sean worked one match, okay. and uh, Aaron Noyce, Shiny Shoes. Worked a match. Okay, we had the okay. we had the killers row of referees. <laughs> you yeah, literally had, yeah, I mean, you literally had like you, uh, uh, you you were the senior ref, and then you got me and Doug, and then you had mm-hmm. Sean and Aaron. Man, we had a, well, we were the same. It was the same crew, minus Sean, but it was the four of us that were on Wombat the night before. Mm-hmm. When yeah. Uh, when GQ broke his ass, jumping, oh, jumping my off God. the top, <laughs> he threw that door. I was, I was standing right there. I was like, "Oh, this is not going to go well." And he hit, and I go to check on him, and I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I think you guys watched me. I audibly go, "Oh no!" Yeah, his fly was in. His wife came to the huddle. We were all huddled up, and his wife, bless her, what was the lie? Um, I was like, I think he's hurt. He needs to go to the hospital. Oh, no, he got shot like two weeks ago, and he didn't go to the hospital for that. Yeah, and we were all, we all, <laughs> what? And we all just, he got shot. You're like, yeah, he got you, shot. Mind you, we're live. We're live on uh-huh. IWTV. Yeah, and I I, yeah. I think Effie was trying to no fight. We, it was we, on fight. It was on fight. Okay, it was on fight, and it was a ladder match. But we didn't have mm-hmm. an A-frame ladder. We had the roofer's ladder that you could only like right. go up one side. And right. I told you guys to go get in the ring and help Effie hold the ladder. I was down there with. Uh, with Reed <laughs> checking on GQ. Oh, he he ain't going to no hospital. He got shot two weeks ago. He didn't go. And she, it wasn't a casual low key. Hey, I'm telling you, she said it loud enough. No, and, and, and I think they put it over on commentary. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure Brent heard that and put it over on commentary. Like he just got shot two weeks ago. And it's like, <laughs> I I just remember like looking at you guys. Like I don't know what to do. I you can't I, make this you know, shit up. I mean, like, I'm, we're in Tallahassee, Tennessee, so dude, dude, I'm AED, CPR, and first aid certified and trained to to handle things. At that point, I'm like, he broke his ass and he got shot a couple of weeks ago. There's nothing I can do. 
Yeah, he's yeah, just, it, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, shorter, shorter, just letting him walk it off, you know. And 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 literally, like this guy could have had a broken spine, and his wife just picks him up and walks him out the back door, and yeah. we're all just yeah, like, she, oh, okay. She she wasn't having no hospital ambulance coming to get her. She, and then and then we, I'll take him home. <laughs> and then we, you know, there's no pause. We go right into the next the next match, and I was just like, oh. yeah. This was a that was a night. I mean, we yeah, it was, we did, it was weird. We did Wombat, and then we did the GCW versus Crux right after that. And mm-hmm. God, it was such a long, long night. I I didn't get out of there till after midnight, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I got home until almost. The only thing I remember is uh, I, I had to leave right after because. It's a two-hour drive either way from where I live in Alabama to Tullahoma. It's two hours, and then you know from where I live to Nashville is two hours. Yeah. So we we decided to go ahead and go on home. And the the first deal they did um, uh, live um, uh, shit. What was what was the first CCW show in Nashville? Uh, Lights out. That was the first. That Lights was in out. Ju- yeah. That was in July. Yeah. So I literally showed up like 15 minutes before bell time, thanks to Blake Walden. Shout out Blake Walden. So I messaged Blake had messaged me and he was like, "You gonna be GCW?" I was like, "Yeah, we're we're leaving in like an hour." He was like, "Like an hour, dude? The show starts at two, and it was it was almost twelve, and I was like, huh? What? What do you mean it starts at two? I had I didn't even bother to look." At the flyer to see what I just assumed it started at a regular time. Yeah, and, uh, you would think. Yeah, well, yeah, you would think. Uh, so, anyways, so so yeah, I almost didn't make it to the uh, the the first lights out show uh, because I didn't bother to look at the flyer. <laughs> when uh, sucks. Whenever they ran Basement East, they would always do it on a Sunday, and they always had like the 2 p.m. bell time, because there was mm. usually like some sort of concert at like 6. So the ring mm. and everything had to be tore down before before all that stuff. Oh, wow. And so we did Wombat on Saturday, and I remember asking Brett, like, hey, what time should I get to the building, because I was going to help with the ring crew and everything, because I'm thinking, like, they're doing the 2 o'clock show. And he goes, right. uh, he's like, oh, man, it, the show's not till like, 6 or 7. So he's like, you know, get there, yeah. get there, get there whenever. And I'm like, hang on, we're doing 6 or 7 on a Sunday? And then I had to be reminded that, you know, we were going to be on pay-per-view. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And, I don't uh, remember so if Lights Out was live or not. I can't recall I don't I don't know if Lights Out was live. I know Long Live GCW was live because I remember yeah, I know after, both Wombat shows were live. Yeah, I remember after doing the Triple Threat match, I went back and looked on Twitter, and I could see the moment on Twitter that I did my spot of people just going crazy, and I was like, "Oh, this is so cool." <laughs> seeing real-time reaction to something I just did yeah. instead of waiting like a couple weeks for it to be edited and put up. Um, but man, I really like 
I really want to work more GCW stuff because mm-hmm. as a as a referee, like I you know, a lot of promotions have rules that are mm-hmm. they want to have enforced. With GCW, mm-hmm. it was it was so much easier just to let the guys so easy, yeah. tell their story. They go to the outside. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to follow them and make sure mm-hmm. nobody gets hurt. I don't have to count them out. I don't have to worry about disqualification. And it was fun. And well, I, within it, reason. Now, yeah, now, within, now within we do reason. have rules. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do have rules. If it's not a death match or it's not an unsanctioned match, you know, we we do. We I don't think we enforce countouts, but but we certainly allow so much leeway but but there are discretion yeah 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 it's at our discretion yeah and you know i i was really the one thing i was really bummed about uh wrestlemania weekend not happening was i was potentially going to be on another couple gcw shows and i just i was like oh man i can't wait i can't wait to do this and then Oh no, that doesn't get to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Corona, Dude, Corona really screwed us in a lot of ways. My uh, my girlfriend con she conned a really good term for it because Corona or stuff on in YouTube or other things because it'll demonetize your video. And she had overheard somebody call it the beer bug, and I think that's that's absolutely hilarious. I love it. So the beer bug happened and uh yeah i and I, I know i'm not the only i mean there were guys that you know wrestlemania weekend was going to be probably the official coming out and showing the world what they could do for several guys and it just sucks like there's so many amazing guys that were going to to probably have career making matches and it, it just got got stolen from them and it man it sucks uh, I, I know um, I think I was on seven of the shows for the collective um, so you know it was, was going to be a great weekend the, the one I was looking the most forward to is Freedoms um, you know I, I remember when when Chris sent me the message saying, hey, just wanted you to know you're 100% on freedom. Dude, it's like 11 o'clock at night on a, on a random Tuesday or Wednesday night, middle of the week. Or something. I just thought it was like a big baby. I'm so happy, so happy, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and I, had, uh, I had reached out to Chris and said, like, hey, you know, um, I, the show that I was working was, I think, Thursday, I think we were doing the crux show on Thursday. So I told him, I'm like, you know, I've got, you know, I've got the the show I'm doing Thursday. I was like, I'll have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And he goes, dude, that's perfect because, you know, if you have that kind of open availability to work the late night show or early show or whatever, he's like, I, he's like, we can find a spot for you. Uh, Let me get, get some of the other names together and we'll, we'll get you, we'll figure out where you're going to be. And then, I think it was like a week later. That's when all this stuff started happening, and I was like, "Oh man, we're not we're not going to do the shows. We're gonna I'm gonna miss out on this stuff because I don't I don't know if I'm gonna really get any other opportunities to 
to work those kind of shows. Um, of course, you know, things can change in six months. Things can change in a year where an opportunity presents itself. But I, I really looked at um, the WrestleMania weekend being being a potential for me to be seen and, and possibly get noticed and, and, you know, it just, you know, it just sucks. <laughs> yeah, I hate, think, uh, I, I hate thinking me. about it now. I, yeah. I feel like so many of us could have had potential, like, you know, career well, you know, events and, I think everything happens for a reason, and, you know, next year WrestleMania, although I do believe will be much different than what everybody is expecting, I think next year's WrestleMania has the potential to be just as big as this year's could have been. Uh, yes, it's in Hollywood, and yes, it's an expensive trip, but um, when you're dedicated to what you do, you don't really think about the cost a whole lot, or at least I never did. I'm, I, <laughs> I stay broken in this business. Um, I, but well, I didn't get in for money. You know, I, I got in to, to just do something I enjoy and love and learn. And um, yeah, man, I, I've, I've enjoyed I, every minute. Yeah, see, I, I've I've become comfortable with the fact that I was never going to make a lot of money as a referee. I'm not an AEW level or a MLW level or a WWE level type of referee. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think of myself as good. A lot of people say that I'm, I'm very fantastic with what I do. I just don't see myself being in any of those companies, uh, mostly because I wear glasses. My vision is just absolutely terrible <laughs> and I can't wear contacts. And I've, in the last year to year and a half, I've kind of made peace with that fact that I'm just, I'm going to be on the independent circuit. So I'm going to make the best of and have as much fun doing it. I understand I'm not going to make a lot of money, but man, being able to hop in a car with somebody to go to a show and just, it's the experience. And that's that's kind of the thing that I'm valuing a lot more is uh, the camaraderie and the uh, seeing the world, seeing different parts of the United States uh, from the passenger seat of a car instead of driving and talking with somebody that you don't really get to spend a lot of time with and you really get to know them and bond with them and you know that's the stuff that I that I find very valuable now is, is is that kind of camaraderie and it's that's something I miss right now. Like I know, you know, I'm not going to make any money, but I'm going to make some really cool memories. And I wish, I wish I was making memories right now. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of us, again, I got lucky with this show in horse land this past weekend. Um, and I'll be in Indianapolis on the 20th. Uh, and uh, I wish I was on that. I wish I could be on that one. As soon as, as soon as Brett said, <laughs> "Poor Brett, I drive him crazy." I know I do, um, but as soon as he announced uh, there was going to be an announcement, I sent him a message. I, was like, I don't care what the announcement is. I don't care where it's going to be at. Let me know a date. Let me know a time. I'll be there with bells on. 
and uh, he messaged me. Uh, he messaged me back right away with a LOL and and gave me the details. But you know, it was uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, he knows I'm I'm Johnny on the spot. I absolutely love working there. Uh, Brett is Brett has been great, um, and uh, what a what a company to work for. Um, he could fire me tomorrow for nothing, and I I probably wouldn't have anything negative to say about it. So, <laughs> yeah, my my experiences with Brett very limited. Uh, man, he was just <clears throat> he's brutally honest. He's straightforward, and I absolutely love mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. God, I I if I have the opportunity to work more GCW shows, I'll make a point to like. Yeah, I'd rather work the GCW show because I'm not going to make any money on it. But my God, like the fun that I'm going to have, it's going to to me that's going to be more worth it. What yeah. sucks though is that there's they don't always GCW doesn't always run close to Tennessee, and my vehicle is 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 a reasonable vehicle, but I'm going to have to get a new one soon. Once I get a new one, travel will not be an issue. But yeah, well, you know, I don't want to. Dr- I don't want to drive more than you know three or four hours right now because you know I don't want something to happen and me get stranded. But if if there's a GCW opportunity, I want to try to 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 make the best of it because right. that's a company I want to work for. I I would I want to do more with Chikara, um, an amazing company. If if man, if you ever got a chance to work Chikara, you'd have a blast. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. Dude, <clears throat> I'm fine with guitar, period. So. Oh, dude, I got so lucky. So I went up to King of Trios. I rode with Alex Zane. And mm-hmm. I reached out to Bryce Rimsberg, who's the senior official. And I said, hey, I'm riding up with Alex Zane. You know, I'm going to have my referee gear. If there happens to be maybe a pre-show or an extra spot somewhere, I'd love the opportunity to work. And Bryce told me straight up, he goes, I can't promise you anything, but, you know, if you're more than willing to come help out, we'll find something for you to do. And you know, I was like, okay, that's perfect. So I went up there. Uh, we got up there for night two. We were up there for night two and night three. And night two, uh, it was Bryce, Chris Levin, and Chris Bankso. They, they, he, they had the ref assignments all squared away and blah, blah, blah. So I – stayed busy backstage basically running. Hey, uh, I need something. What do you need? And I'd run and go get it. And I just made myself useful. And a lot of people apparently took notice of that. And the next day when I did Bryce's uh, seminar, word got to him about it. And after we did the seminar, he came to me and he said, uh, Hey, uh, what's my shirt do you wear? And I'm thinking, Oh, they're going to give me a crew shirt. I'm going to help out you know, with uh, the camera crew or something. I'm like, I'm an extra large. And he goes, well, me and Chris and Chris, you know, I guess, I guess we're all like mediums. And I look at him like, what do you mean? He goes, Oh, uh, I'm giving you a match uh, tonight. What? What? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna referee on King, King of Trios. What? And I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I got to referee on night three of King of Trios. And it, oh, yeah, it's that, dude, it's, I've learned that even if I didn't get to rest that weekend, I still got to 
talk with Mike Quackenbush and, and a lot of amazing people up there. And I get to make connections and I get to make some awesome memories. So I, you know, Chikara, GCW, those are the two shows. I, I, if I could stay working those two shows, I'd be, you know, absolutely perfect. Well, we're going to have to, uh, pardon me, we're going to have to wrap it up here. I'm sorry about that. We've, um, Oh, no, I, I can ramble for, a little for an, bit hour, an hour. Somebody doesn't tell me. Yeah. No, it's all good. Uh, Jesse, it was great just, you know, kind of sitting and shit with you, you know, talking different different air and, you know, different things about Nashville and uh, just kind of getting to know you a little bit better. You know, hopefully uh, we'll see you at a GCW show. I'm sure we'll see you soon somewhere down the line, um, you know, with me being in Alabama and you being in Tennessee. Um, yeah. We're not too far from each other, two hours, so... You know, eventually we will be somewhere in the same place at the same time. Man, I do appreciate your time tonight. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll have Jesse uh, Baker back uh, next week. And um, hopefully we'll have you back on and uh, eventually when he's on too. And, and I'm sure we'll have an even greater conversation. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'm good friends with Jesse. And I feel like he would be the one to start asking questions to pick my brain what's left of it. <laughs> Um, so I, I feel like the conversation with him could probably be more in depth than us rambling on about, you know, the crazy stuff we've rambled on about. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Real quick, I want to remind people you can check out my good friends over at Pro Wrestling Edge. Uh, so check them out on Twitter, P W E P. E, let's see. I'm sorry. I can't see. Okay. It's a PWE pod. Uh, all one word. PWE pod, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So check them out. Uh, they got a really good podcast. They do some really cool stuff. So make sure you go check those guys out. Um, <clears throat> make sure you check out my good friend, Conrad Thompson, on all his check that out. Uh, I am going to sit over the MDKC room and uh, pay tribute to my good friend Danny Havoc, uh, who tragically passed away Sunday. So uh, until next week, uh, see you guys on the flip. Thank you again for your time, man.